Well, according to a report submitted by Chief Saunders to the Toronto Police Services Board, facial recognition technology is generating leads in investigations as more and more crimes are now being captured on video. Since the system was purchased back in March of last year at a cost of nearly half a million dollars, officers have conducted just over 2,500 facial recognition searches. Now, this report was submitted in advance of Thursday's uh, board meeting. But is facial recognition, is it the wave of the future for police and police investigations? What are the costs and are the risks, uh, the risk to society, greater than the rewards? Some important questions, and let's put them to David Shipley. He's our cybersecurity expert, and he joins us here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Mr. Shipley, good afternoon, and thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. All right. First off, uh, for those, David, that don't know how or understand how facial recognition works, can you give us uh, just a quick primer and how you believe Toronto police are likely using this? So Toronto police are using this in active investigations, comparing any evidence they gather, whether photo or video, um, using artificial intelligence to match subjects that are uh, appear in these videos to their mugshot database. So, you know, this is a controlled use of facial recognition. And the alternative is what we've seen in some other police forces, where they capture real-time video uh, from around jurisdiction and start looking for criminals uh, without necessarily having a case yet or just looking for people who are out on warrants. And there are some significant concerns about um, police state, state surveillance in that use case. Yeah, I want to get to those uh, concerns yeah. if we can in just a second, David. But uh, do we know where police are getting people's images uh, from? I mean, are they just randomly collecting these? Are they working with the government who's got uh, all of our faces, of course, from passports and driver's licenses and such? Well, so the mugshot photo database that police collect that when criminals are apprehended, so the comparison point, we know where they're getting that. The original source photos and videos can be everything from um, government surveillance to uh, public uh, or private businesses that have photos or cameras. We see more and more uh, surveillance technology owned by the private sector that's used, and when crimes happen, uh, police often subpoena or get access to those videos. All right. The police call this a valuable tool, which is aiding and actually speeding up investigations in, uh, at uh, some points. Uh, but what is the cost, uh, David, as you just kind of alluded to there? What is the cost, do you believe? And I don't mean, uh, you know, the physical cost, the monetary cost, but what is the social cost to the public? Well, in, in this kind of case where it's used as part of um, already active investigations and there seems to be a reasonable level of control in terms of who has uh, the investigative team, they have a six-person investigative team that only has access to this, and it's not used um, proactively to try and, and, and find criminals in advance, uh, there's limited risk in this one. Um, they seem to have sufficient control. I think the, the interesting questions that need to be asked is to what level is civilian oversight provided of how long these photos and videos are kept and you know when investigations are closed or charges are laid, when does the data go away? The more active and dangerous kind is the active facial recognition, um, and that's the kind that can tap into, for example, in the UK, the uh, closed-circuit television network, and they use it just to, to search out for people that think are suspects. And the danger with facial recognition can be its error rate. And in the, in the UK case, uh, in December of 2018, they came out with a report that said in 98% of the cases, they were mismatching people. And this is really, really relevant for... Um, um, those who belong to ethnic minorities or women, both of whom face significantly higher error rates 
because of some, uh, somehow how this software has been designed than typically white males face. I, I just want to underscore that uh, fact there, 98% false positives. In, in the U.K. case where they were trying to proactively identify criminals, and there are numerous horror stories of people uh, resisting the uh, facial recognition experiments going on with the U.K. police and actually being charged. And it hasn't yet uh, gone to the courts to see if the U.K. police even have the legal authority to be doing what they're doing. But it is on the extreme end in Western democracies, what we've seen. The extremist end of what we've seen with facial recognition technology is in China, where an entire city is now monitored 24-7, particularly ethnic Muslim minorities, where they monitor for facial recognition, for gait recognition, the way people walk. Um, And they actually had a database breach where all of this biometric data leaked out. And the worst part about these voice recognition, facial recognition, or walk recognition technologies is once it's out there and people can copy that pattern and abuse it, you can't really change those things about yourself the way you can change a password. Sure. And, you know, if there's a 98% failure rate, just again in the UK, but uh, you would have to think that would apply elsewhere. I mean, that was a major concern I had reading about this is the potential for false positives. And if you present that data that, that, listen, we've used artificial intelligence and the latest uh, cutting edge technology to uh, say that this person is the perpetrator, is guilty, That has to be pretty convincing, I would think, to a jury or a judge. Well, yeah, and and people need to realize that this technology is not the same in terms of investigative tools as DNA testing in other areas. It is, frankly, not foolproof. I'm in supportive of the way that it's being described its use in Toronto as a part of the investigative tool set, but not as conclusive evidence unto itself, because that it shouldn't be. And even in the Toronto case, they said that, uh, you know, they had uh, 80% matches against their photo database of mugshots in these investigations, of which 60% of the time they were actually able to rely and use this to further the investigation. So, you know, even then you can see it's, it's not perfect. New Democrat MP Charlie Angus, uh, he is sounding the alarm on Capitol Hill about this in Ottawa. He says that Canadians, David, need to have a discussion about what are the legitimate uses of this technology. Uh, Do you agree with that? I completely agree. And I think there is a huge difference between a narrowly scoped, well-supervised policing tool with judicial oversight and civilian oversight and uh, mass surveillance 24-7 proactively looking for pre-crime. And what I and others, I think uh, the MP has has is right, are concerned about the slippery slope of this. We start with this well-controlled side and then it just spins out of hand. And this is why San Francisco has put the brakes on it. So they implemented the first municipal ban uh, saying, look, until we can really understand this and put proper oversight on it, Police are not allowed to use facial recognition uh, technologies. And this technology extends beyond the police force. I mean, as we've been sitting here talking about this, it reminds me of the uh, story of the uh, latest Taylor Swift concert tour. It was after the fact, David, that fans have found out that their faces were actually being scanned on the way into the concert because they were worried about Taylor Swift's uh, safety uh, regarding a stalker who was not to be uh, welcomed into her shows. But is that something, and when we talk about having a discussion about the proper uses of this technology, I mean, everybody certainly wants Taylor Swift and anyone else to, to be safe and to feel safe, but should fans maybe not have been aware of the fact that they were being scanned on the way into the show? 
Well, this gets to the core of what privacy is. Privacy is about control and consent. And so if people went to that concert and they and they admitted up front, by the way, we use video capture technology for security purposes, of which we use facial recognition. If you're not comfortable, please don't come into the concert. Then at least they could have made that informed decision, but they weren't informed. And we've seen in Canada, malls actually use facial recognition technology um, buried into their uh, mall directory interactive systems, um, judging to see, you know, what people are looking at, who's going to the mall, et cetera. And, you know, this kind of surveillance technology in the hands of unaccountable private sector companies makes me as uncomfortable as it is in the hands of police and probably even more uncomfortable. Okay, so folks, that uh, for those that don't think that this is uh, in use uh, now, it's pretty much, uh, I mean, what is it, uh, staggering. I think we're on camera 70 times a day with, without our knowledge that this is going on right now and this is a discussion we need to have and the law needs to once again catch up, catch up to technology here. Uh, absolutely. I mean, you know, we've, we're seeing more and more experimentation. In fact, it's interesting, Amazon, um, I mean, they do so many different things. They're one of the major uh, retailers of this facial recognition technology. They had a, a shareholder revolt. They were trying to pass resolutions um, to prevent Amazon from selling this technology to police departments until its, its negative consequences are better understood. Unfortunately, those shareholder resolutions failed this week, um, and this technology continues to be deployed. And we, we really Really need to stop and think and pause because when you lose civil rights, you don't get them back and easily. And we can't afford to sacrifice uh, Canadians' rights, their privacy, um, for the pursuit of security that may not even be all that accurate. Interesting stuff. Cybersecurity expert David Shipley with us this afternoon. David, thanks as always. You're always welcome.